Before we get started, I have an important message. If you're on Medicare or about to be, you don't want to go it alone. And you don't want to just call the first guy who sends you a postcard. My husband did that, and he wound up with some bad advice that costs us a penalty each month that will never go away. So what can you do? Contact one of our member experts by going to certifiedmedicareagents.com and searching your state for an agent. You'll be able to look through our member agents and read about them. Then you can reach out to the agent or broker you select directly through the site. Now, one thing you should know is other sites who do this sell your information to 15 or more agents so you can get hundreds of unwanted phone calls. Not so with CertifiedMedicareAgents.com. You'll only be contacted by one agent, and if there is a problem, I may personally reach out to you, but generally you will only hear from the one agent you select. So head on over there right now before you forget and find a qualified and certified agent that can help you today. Now, let's start our program. In today's episode of Rocky Retirement, we speak with Sally Broff, who had two very successful companies before she retired. Now she's the very first female president of the San Diego SCORE chapter. We learn how she decided on volunteering for SCORE and some of her favorite places she's traveled. Learn today how Sally can help you have a great retirement on today's episode of Rock Your Retirement. Talking with people about how to have a great retirement. This is the Rock Your Retirement Show. We don't talk about money, but we talk about almost everything else you need to rock your retirement. Now, here's your host, Kathy Klein. Our guest for today is Sally Broff, and Sally was raised in the Pittsburgh area, and she left for college in 1967, attending Brandeis University in the Boston area. She followed that with a master's degree at Boston University, and she lived in Boston until 1993, working for some very small manufacturing companies in sales, product management, quality management, etc. In 1986, she founded a manufacturer's representative company with a partner, and they specialized in selling power sources to manufacturers. In 1993, she sold out to her partner and moved to Southern California. And she and her significant other founded a company together in 1997. And that company was a U.S. distributor for a Chinese manufacturing company of small displays. They ran that company for 10 years and sold it in 2007. After that, she joined SCORE, a national organization that mentors small businesses. And Sally currently serves as the president of the San Diego SCORE chapter. She lives with her partner since 1993 in Fallbrook on a two-acre property with a small grove of citrus and other fruit trees. So tell me, Sally, what happened when you first retired? Was it all of a sudden or did it come slowly? Well, no, Bob turned 70 
And leading up to that, he decided he had been working long enough and wanted to retire. So we considered first selling half of the company to a couple of our employees. I was 57 and we decided that they were so much younger that really it wasn't a good match. So we spent about a year getting ready to sell the company. We needed to first make an agreement with the buyers. Then they needed to have a partnership agreement between themselves. And then um, they needed to get a bank loan and work out the financing. So we had probably about a year's notice that we were retiring. And then I stayed on for three months, actually, after we officially sold the company, really just as a handholder. So we did have plenty of time to prepare. So you knew that it wasn't all of a sudden, like some of my listeners, boom, all of a sudden they get laid off and they're 63 years old and it's really hard to get a job at that age. But you you had plenty of time to ramp up. We did. We knew we were retiring. We knew basically the amount of money we'd be getting for the company and the length of time the payout would take. And we were very lucky in that we got paid every penny that we had agreed to, which many That's fabulous. People, yeah. Many people who sell a company don't get that. The second generation of the company doesn't succeed where, in fact, the second generation of our company is just going gangbusters. That's good. So I think I heard you say that there was quite a bit of an age difference between you and Bob. What I, I can't do math in my head. So what's the age difference there? It's about 12 and a half years. Um, I'm 66 now, and Bob will turn 80 in December. So tell me a little bit about that. I have listeners who have a big age difference, myself included. There's a 20-year age difference between my husband and myself. So how long have you two been together? We've been together since 1993. And, you know, there's certainly an age difference. Um, his kids are, give or take, 10 to 15 years younger than I am. But that's never been a problem. He's very active for his age in very good health. So we're really not restricted in any way from anything that we want to do in terms of traveling, working in our yard. So at least up to this point, it hasn't been an issue at all. Well, that's good, but it must have crossed your mind. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that there will come a time that he's not able to travel or isn't able to work in the yard. So we'll move to a smaller house. We really haven't done a lot of actual planning for that, but at this point, he's really active and in good health, so uh, we're doing really well with that. Well, that's good. I I'm not sure if you are aware of this, but I have two shows a week, and on Mondays, I release shows with where they're interviews with people like yourself that are rocking their retirement in some manner, and on the Thursday shows, I release episodes that help either spouses like ourselves that have older, you know, who, who potentially their spouse is going to start needing some help at some point in the future, or people that are helping their parents, those shows come out on Thursdays. So Rock Your Retirement is sort of a split personality. You know, I have the, the two shows and I've done that for a reason. I started this show mostly for myself mm -hmm. <laughs> so that I could, number one, learn how to rock my own retirement when I 
decide to fully retire. And number two, be able to help my father who has Parkinson's disease. And just knowing that my husband is 20 years older than me, I want to know what's available out there. So that's one of the reasons why we have the show that comes out twice a week. Well, I think it's really common among people our age to be dealing with the whole issue of parents. I know um, my parents both went through the aging and sickness five or six years ago. And at the time, I was the only one of my siblings who was retired. So I tried to take as much of the responsibility as I can, given that my parents were in Pittsburgh. But Uh, My one brother who lives there was working and I really tried to pitch in. I'm also cognizant in my SCORE volunteering that most of the volunteers are within the 50 to 75 age range and many of us are going through that as well. So tell me more about SCORE because that's really how you're rocking your retirement. I think I read somewhere that you're the first female president of the San Diego SCORE chapter. Did I get that right? You did get that right. That's true. I joined SCORE shortly after retiring. I never took a business class in my life and started (laughs) two businesses. Both were successful. I think both still exist. I know the second one still does. And I really had to figure everything out by myself as I went along. I knew about SCORE, but somehow I never thought to use them. So I really felt when I retired that it would be great fun to try to give back and help people who had uh, issues either starting a business or growing a business. So I volunteered for SCORE within a couple of months of my retirement. You're put through a pretty intensive training program because the chapter really wants to make sure that people are competent and understand what's required We work with people that either want to start a business or own a business and want help. And you have to really understand that you're working with people's livelihood. So it's a serious program. It's a national organization with over 300 chapters and over 11,000 volunteers. We're a resource partner for the Small Business Administration And we do what we call mentoring, which means sitting down with somebody one-on-one or with another SCORE volunteer and spending at least an hour giving advice on an issue. We do workshops on between 35 and 40 different topics. We have a women's networking breakfast and we have a peer mentoring program that we call executive leadership forums. So it's a pretty comprehensive program, and there are a lot of different ways that people can contribute and volunteer. So how do you spend most of your volunteer work at SCORE? Is it mostly running the chapter, or do you work one-on-one with people? I mean, president seems like a pretty hefty title to me. Well, I do both. I spend a lot of time managing the chapter But I think it's also important that the people who are in the leadership of the chapter stay connected to clients. So I try to spend one day a month on our call center where we take calls from people who want to schedule an appointment or have a short question. And I try to set up what we call an office mentoring day once a month. Um, It does take quite a bit of time to manage the chapter. We have a board of seven people. So um, 
There are a lot of things that I don't have to do because someone else is doing them, but it is a lot of responsibility to oversee the whole thing and just make sure that everything gets done. So with your SCORE volunteer work, is this where you've met the majority of your friends? Is it that kind of group or is it just everybody works and then they leave? Or, or do the SCORE volunteers become friends with each other? Well, some of both. Um, SCORE has changed over the past eight years or nine years that I've been a volunteer. Um, When I started, it seemed like SCORE was the primary activity in people's lives. They were older, mostly in their 60s, 70s, and early 80s. But we now have a chapter where our youngest volunteer is 30, and our oldest volunteer is probably 92. Um, So we have a much broader range of people We have people who are involved in two and three different volunteer activities, and we have more people who are still working part-time. It is a social group. We do social activities to try to help people get to know each other. And in fact, you and I got to know each other through SCORE. That's true. Um, Absolutely. But my closest friends actually come from the community where we live. Uh, We live in Fallbrook, and we're in a community of about 75 houses, and there are a number of community activities, so we've become close with a few couples that live here and spend a lot of time doing things like exercising and playing cards with people that live in our community. Now, isn't Fallbrook where cows live? I don't think there are any cows here. There are a lot of horses. I know, avocados. Exactly. It's the avocado capital. Although, interestingly enough, as water gets more expensive, more and more people are taking out their avocados and replacing them with vineyards. Oh. But it is very rural. We're in a community that has city water and sewerage, so it's kind of like a suburban property that was plopped down in the middle of the exurbs. (laughs) Is it a retirement community? No, it isn't. There are people with babies, with young children. Um, It's really getting younger as time goes by. But I think there are probably six or seven women who are within five years of my age, one way or another, So although it's mixed, it just somehow randomly turned out there were a number of people in the same age group as well. Now, I've been to Fallbrook several times. I actually used to sit on the board of a company that uh, was located in Fallbrook. I don't do that activity anymore. And Sally, I have to tell you, it's very far away. So how do you manage the drive to San Diego to do your presidential activities when you live in an area that it it's there's windy, maybe I don't know if they're dirt roads, but windy roads, uh, very narrow roads, and it takes a while to get to San Diego. How do you manage that? Well, we're three miles from the 15, just off 76, and I try to plan well. So I try not to go downtown more than once a week. And when I do, I try to plan more than one thing within the same day. So if I have client appointments starting at 9 o'clock, I have to leave the house at 7.30. 
I usually get home at 4.30, so it's a reasonably long day. But I've changed the board meeting of the SCORE chapter to be before the chapter meeting, whereas prior to me, it was on a separate day. So that way, I may have to leave at 6 in the morning, but it saves driving once. So basically, it's just really a matter of planning, and it's my choice to live here. So when we made that choice, I just knew if I was going to do things in San Diego, there'd be some driving involved. And it's a beautiful community. You're not my only friend that lives in Fallbrook. So, you know, it, it really is a gorgeous small town feel. Just there, there's a, um, a tea shop downtown Fallbrook where you, you wear different hats. Mm-hmm. I forget the name of it. <laughs> it is. It's a lovely small town. It has a very active chamber of commerce that um, puts on a number of things during the year, like a Christmas parade and the avocado festival. So it's a nice town. There are a number of restaurants. There's shopping. It's just a nice place to live. Do you get involved in the town activities as well, or does SCORE pretty much take up 90% of your activities? At the moment, SCORE takes up pretty much all my volunteering time. I have some plans for things that I'd like to do in addition to SCORE when I step down as president in October. So I want to join the AAUW, American Association of University Women. Um okay. And I'm interested in doing something, working with kids who are aging out of the foster care program related to cooking and nutrition. So I haven't really looked into that yet, but that's something I'm interested in doing. My sister in Arlington, Virginia works on a program like that, and I'd like to find a way to kind of clone what she does here in San Diego. Or maybe there's a program that already exists and you just need to find it. I've looked around and so far I haven't found it, but um, that doesn't mean it's not there. Now that brings us to my next question. How did you find out about SCORE? I don't really know. Um, (laughs) I was aware of SCORE going back to when I lived in the Boston area. I assume I read about it somewhere, but I really don't know when I first learned about it. I just felt that when I retired, I was young and I wanted something that would keep my mind active. So I thought SCORE would be a great thing for volunteering. And since you're the president now, it seems like it's panned out for you. It has. Um, One of the things I really like about SCORE is the organization for years had a reputation of being an old white man's organization. And we've really done a lot to change that. We have more women, we have more ethnic diversity, but more important than that, we're really working hard to keep up to date with what's going on in social media, in the world of the internet, in internet marketing, and in how businesses are run, as well as uh, how the different generations respond. So it really gives the opportunity not only to volunteer and help people, but to stay current with what's going on in the world. And I think that's really one of the important benefits that I get from volunteering with SCORE. Well, that's great. You do other things too, though. Like, didn't you just come back from a big trip not that long ago? Yes, we did. We tend to do one big trip a year. And last fall, we went to the Middle East. We flew to Istanbul, spent three days there, 
took a three-week cruise from Istanbul through the Suez Canal to Dubai, spent a few days there, and then flew home. It was a really great trip. You know, I may have told you this privately, but my husband and I had a trip planned, a cruise, through Turkey and Greece and those countries. And we actually wound up canceling it because I was a little, I was a little nervous to go to those countries with all of the upheaval going on. Did you feel nervous at all? Well, the first year we had actually talked about doing this trip the prior year as my 65th birthday trip. And that year we did chicken out. It was kind of early (laughs) in the whole ISIS business, and we really didn't know where that would develop. But it turned out that cruise sailed, and they had no trouble. And so the next year when we were talking about where to go, I just said, you know, let's just do it. So no, I really didn't feel uh, we were at risk. It's been many years since there's been any trouble with a cruise ship. And the truth is... You could stand in downtown San Diego and get hit by a truck. So you just have to really do what you want. We stood in the exact location in Istanbul where there was the bombing a few weeks after we got back. And it's just one of those random things. I I think you can't be fearful about what you're going to do or you'll give up too many things that you want. So be adventurous. Reasonably so. I mean, not stupid, but adventurous, yes. <laughs> well, I have to tell you, I'm I'm such a chicken. When Remember the year 2000? Yeah. So remember there, everything was supposed to crash, you know, fall apart and, you know, the whole world was going to end in the year 2000? Well, my, my stepmother and my father were in Times Square. They watched the uh-huh. ball drop in the year 2000. And I was deathly afraid that something was going to happen to them. So I'm a big chicken anyway. <laughs> well, I'm a little chicken, but um, I really try to get beyond it because it's too easy to miss things. You know, that's that's really good advice. Don't be such a chicken. <laughs> so tell me more about Um, Have you taken any other trips that you are planning or that our listeners would like to hear about? We haven't planned this year's trip yet, but prior year to the Middle East trip, we took a cruise around South America. So we started in Buenos Aires and went down through the Straits of Magellan and back up and ended up in Valparaiso, Chile. That was a fascinating trip. It really, we went to the Falkland Islands, whoever would have thought you'd be in the Falkland Islands. So that was a really fascinating trip. We're lucky in that we can afford to take nice trips. We like small cruise ships. I think I found that you tend to get to know some of the people pretty well on the ship. You develop friends that you stay in touch with. So we've had people come to visit us that live in Canada in our nice San Diego winter, and we've stayed in touch with some of the people. We did a land tour in China about three years ago that was really fascinating. And then we spent some time in Hong Kong with the man that bought our business and the guy that we used to do business with. We find cruises work for us. One thing about Bob's age is that he has back issues and going on a cruise allows us to unpack once and go to a number of different places. 
So that seems to work very well for us. And they have massage therapists on the cruise too, don't they? So if he really needs a massage, he could get one. They do. They have all sorts of activities, good food. They have shows in the evening. The The cruise that we did this year in the Middle East was particularly good because they had a number of educational programs as well. So we had a number of sea days where we went through the Suez Canal and down to Oman, and they provided people from the Smithsonian, and they also had a program that was in conjunction with PBS, where they brought in people who were um, producers of some of the programs like the Walt Disney biography. So it really made it enjoyable because we were able to learn something while we were sitting and enjoying ourselves. That's nice. So it sounds like you you go to one of the higher end cruise ships that some of my listeners probably can't afford. But do you want to do you want to say the name of the of the ship? Well, line? that particular ship line was Regent. We also enjoy Oceana, which is not quite as high level a ship line, but um, is still very very nice. So those are the two we prefer. If you didn't have the resources and you still wanted to go on a cruise, do you have a less expensive cruise line that you would recommend? I don't really know. Um, I haven't looked into them primarily because we prefer the smaller ships. We have gone on Holland America, which is less expensive, and those were very enjoyable. Right, and but you probably didn't get the close friendships that you got on the not as much, no. Okay, well, that's good. I'm, I also like cruising, but there's a lot of people out there that don't like to cruise because they feel that they can't go anywhere. I find that fascinating because a lot of the people that tell me they don't like to cruise don't really leave their house much. People also <laughs> don't like to cruise, haven't tried it. You know, it's, it's like everything else. It's a give and take. You give up staying great length of time in one place. But I found also that the cruise lines are starting to stay overnight in some of the more interesting ports. So we were in Jerusalem three days. We were at Luxor two days. We were in Abu Dhabi a day and a half. So it does give you more time to explore more intensively and also to experience the culture and the food of a country when the ship stays overnight. Where's your favorite place been so Ooh, far? Ooh, that's so hard to say. You know, every place is different and has its own things that are engaging. I like the Greek islands a lot, so I think those were among my favorite places. I also tend to like places with history more than going somewhere, for instance, in the Caribbean. When you go to the Caribbean, it's really enjoyable while you're there. But after you get home, I found I couldn't tell what I did in which island because they were very similar. And it's similar to San Diego. Somewhat, yes. And, you know, <laughs> snorkeling is great, but it's hard to remember which places you snorkeled. So it's an enjoyable trip. And for particularly people that live in colder climates, it's a great thing to do in the winter. But I prefer going to museums and historical sites. Okay, that, that makes complete sense. That absolutely does. So what, when you retired, you obviously planned for it. And your planning skills probably helped you in business. 
and they probably helped you in your retirement because you started SCORE so quickly after you retired. What did you say? It was three months? Yeah. Was there anything that you wish that you would have known that you would have been able to do before you retired? Or is there something that you can do now that you couldn't do before you retired? Because you were working for yourself. So, you know, when you work for yourself, you make your own schedule. So what have you been able to do as a retired person that you couldn't do while you were working? Well, certainly work in our yard. We have a two acre property. And even though we have a gardener one day a week, it still requires a lot of maintenance. So we've been able to do more yard work, certainly take longer trips. Although when we owned the business, we had some employees who were very responsible. So we did leave for as much as three weeks at a time. It still enables you to just kind of hand your neighbor a key to your house and (laughs) uh, walk away and not worry about anything when you're retired. That makes complete sense. Tell me about your typical retiree day. What do you do? I get up early. I'm just an early person. I get up when the sun comes up or sometimes even earlier. I like to read the paper in the morning and I read the actual newspaper unless it's raining. Do your hands get dirty? No, not so much. They've kind of changed the (laughs) ink, but I grew up watching my parents read the paper every day. And it's kind of funny, my brother was here last week for a couple of days, and he does the same thing I do. We get up in the morning, eat our breakfast, and read the paper. After that, if I'm not going to score, I might work in the yard. We exercise every other day with two other couples that live in our community. So usually we exercise at 1030, and all told, it probably takes an hour and a half. So I might work in the yard. We have a swimming pool in the summer. We'll sit by the pool. I enjoy reading. I enjoy cooking. So I cook dinner pretty much every day. Spend some time on the computer. Probably I spend all told between one and two hours a day answering emails for score. I usually sit at the computer at least an hour and make some phone calls and answer emails. And then uh, we have some activities in the community that I might do. We have a book group. Uh, we play bunko once a week. My friend. Now, is your bunko the way my bunko is, which is actually drunko? No, it's really not so much. <laughs> um, it's a community thing. So we have really women of all ages who may not be that friendly otherwise because they're at different stages of their lives. But we all get together and kind of chat about what's going on in Fallbrook and with people's families. So there's some drinking, but it's not really drunko. No, um, <laughs> but we have a good time with it. That's good. And you both and you both exercise. Yes. Together. Yes, we have uh, three couples. The youngest is 60 and Bob's the oldest at 80. Everybody has their own infirmities, but we've put together a routine that includes light weights and stretching and yoga and Pilates. And one of my friends, Victoria, leads us in exercising. And we're just trying to make sure that we keep our balance, that we don't fall, that we have some core strength. Um, we've been doing it probably for three years. Do you think that that's one of the reasons why your 80-year-old husband is staying in such great shape? Because he's 
continuing to exercise? I think it's one of the reasons, sure. I think another reason is that he has really strong bones. He fell in China about two and a half years ago, and he fell off a wall, and they thought he, wow. yeah, the doctor <laughs> thought he broke his hip, but it turned out all he did was rupture a muscle, and they said, uh, you know, you have really strong bones, so you'll never get osteoporosis. Well, we need to keep him from falling. Well, that's true, too. <laughs> okay. Well, we need to start wrapping up. So there's always two questions that I ask at the end of the interviews, and the first one is, what do you wish you would have known before you retired? I guess just that I would be able to stay so busy. Um, I think one of the concerns was that I might not be able to keep busy and would end up a couch potato. But I guess one of the things people learn is if you need something done, ask a busy person. Right. So there's always someone asking me to fix something or take care of a computer issue or I'm on a couple of committees in our HOA. So, you know, I, I didn't really know that I'd be able to keep so busy. I think a lot of people when they retire, their next question is, how did I ever find the time to work? <laughs> I think it's one or the other. It's either they're sitting around doing nothing, getting depressed, or they get so busy that they're thinking what you just said, how, how did right. I work? <laughs> so busy. And then the last question is, we have a lot of listeners who are either thinking about retiring, they're new retirees, or maybe they've been retired for a while and they're stuck. They don't know what to do with themselves. If you were sitting across from one of those retirees, what would be the one piece of advice that you would give them to have a successful retirement? I think it would be to find something that gives you the feeling that you're still making a contribution to society. And it doesn't need to be a volunteer thing. It can be a hobby. Uh, it might be painting. It might be working at your food bank. There are a lot of things that you can do to still feel useful. So I know baby boomers are going to have a long retirement. We have better health than any generation before us. We have better medicine. So I think we really, if we're going to have a successful retirement, we need to feel we're still contributing something to society. Great advice. So we spent a lot of time talking about SCORE. Tell me how someone can reach your SCORE chapter if they live in San Diego or if they don't live in San Diego, how can they reach the national organization? They can reach SCORE locally at www.sandiego.score.org. Or you can just Google SCORE San Diego and we'll come right up. Nationally, it's www.score.org. If you're interested in volunteering, there's a tab at the top. Click on that and you'll find a form that you can fill out that gets sent to the local chapter and you get a phone call. Someone will talk to you about the volunteer opportunities. We're always looking for new people. They don't have to be retired. They don't have to be old. <laughs> so it's great fun. I guess what I try to tell people at the chapter is we're all here doing this for fun. So let's have fun doing it. It's great to help people, but the truth of it is we need to have fun or we won't want to do it anymore. That's true. And if somebody wants to start a business in their retirement, they could also contact you and be mentored. They correct? can do that. We have two workshops on starting up a business. One's free. One costs $20. 
I think we give them each once a month. Um, more and more people are starting businesses in their retirement. AARP also has a program. I don't know the specifics of it, but if you go on the AARP workshop uh, website, you can also find information on um, seniors starting businesses in new new areas. That's good because that's another way, as you said, to feel useful to society once you've retired. Yes, and you don't have to do something full time. Um, a lot of people turn a hobby into a business or they do something, they can start a nonprofit. Nonprofits don't have to be huge. You can pick one small area that you think you can make a difference and you can start a nonprofit. Absolutely. Like you may, you may wind up I may, doing yes. someday. Well, good. Well, Sally, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. And to our listeners, we hope that you got something out of this interview, and we hope to see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Thanks, Kathy. It's been fun. Thanks for listening to the Rock Your Retirement show. If you are rocking your retirement or know someone who would make a great guest on our show, please send us an email at podcast at rockyourretirement.com. Are you looking for a way to help your grandchildren with college that goes above and beyond financial support? Coach Myra's Pathway to College helps students create a customized college plan to help choose the college that is best for them. Coach Myra provides accountability and support throughout the process, which alleviates stress for the entire family. To give the gift of helping your grandchildren with their future, call 858-437-4500 or go to C-O-A-C-H-M-I-R-A dot com. Coach Myra's Pathway to College, helping students to see and be their future.